0: Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This panel has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and presenters at Metatopia 2019. Episode 258, Crowdfunding on a Budget, presented by Jason Walters, Jeff Stormer,
1: and Christopher Bedell. That's sort of more of a comment, less
0: of a question. <laughs> oh, well, it's that time. We're a minute late. I'm sorry, everybody. Oh okay. off to a bad start already. Good morning, Metatopia. How's everybody doing today?
2: Great.
0: Good, excellent. Uh, this is crowdfunding on a budget. Uh, so if you thought this was a different panel, now's your time to gracefully exit. Uh, We're going to talk about all kinds of things. Uh, for those of you that weren't here when the tech support part happened, um, there is some issues with these speakers doing weird echo feedback loops So we are not using the microphones. So if you find yourself in the back and unable to hear us very well, good news, you can make some new friends and scoot on forward. There's plenty of open seats uh, and uh, you can then hear us a little bit better. But at any point in time, if we say a thing and you're like, I couldn't hear or understand that, just flag us. We're happy to repeat ourselves. Uh, we're not on a panel because we don't like talking. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, great, so uh, let's go down the line and introduce ourselves so you know who we are and then we'll go around the u- room and you can all each introduce yourselves. We might skip that part uh, and figure out what's going on. I'm Christopher Bedell, I own a company called Greater Than Games. I have been run- making games for a long time and I've been uh, doing uh, Kickstarters and that sort of thing since 2011 back in the wild west of Kickstarter. So.
3: That's me. Uh, I'm Jason Walters, I'm the general manager of Hero Games and Indie Press Revolution, and I've run crowdfunding projects that have gone as high as $80,000 and as low as $4,000. Uh, I'm Jeff Stormer,
1: I'm a podcaster and game designer, and I've been running Kickstarters since uh, 2018, because I ran one, and I hey. feel only the slightest bit out uh, outclassed here, so we'll see how things go. <laughs> We'll see if we'll see if this turns into a lot of me going, cool, sounds great. Uh,
0: since, since we did some number mentioning, the first Kickstarter we ever ran, uh, we asked for twelve thousand dollars and we got twenty-eight thousand dollars. And at that point in time, it, that was twenty eleven, and people were like, what, twenty-eight thousand dollars for a board game, what? Who would ever pay that kind of money for a board game? And nowadays, that's like whatever. Uh, but in uh, in twenty sixteen, we did a Kickstarter for the final expansion for my first game ever called Sentinels: The Multiverse, and we asked for forty thousand dollars, and we raised five hundred thousand dollars in the first day and a $1.5 million by the end of the campaign. And that was the first time that my mother said, oh, there's something here. (laughs) (laughs) Christopher, you quit your career to make games? Is that a real job? And finally, Kickstarter was like, oh, I guess so. So, um, But even that campaign, I would say, was done on a budget because, I mean, everything has a budget, but was done on a pretty low budget because uh, from my point of view, you do not need to spend a lot of money to get your Kickstarter going. And like, that's what we're here to talk about. A lot of people, I recently uh, had a conversation with a good friend who just ran a, a major RPG Kickstarter. It went very well. And he's like, yeah, I'm really pleased. I only spent $50,000 on advertising. And I was like, what are you that's, doing? That's like, weird. where are you spending this kind of advertising money, and to what end? And uh, he spent it in a bunch of different places, and I love that. He gave me a lot of really useful data on what things paid off and what things didn't. Turns out, Facebook ads, he had, he had a good amount of click-through most everything else is not very good for advertising because most advertising on the internet we have all learned how to ignore. We spend most of our life on the internet going, oh, just don't look at that. No, there's an ad over there. Who cares about that? Like, when's the last time any one of you clicked on a banner ad on a website? Like, you're like, oh, I'm on this website. Oh, look, a banner ad for something I'm vaguely interested in. No, I'm not. Go away. I'm at this website on purpose. So internet, like uh, uh, click-through advertising isn't a thing, like it is and a lot of people make their money through it, but in this industry we need people, like when you're doing a Kickstarter campaign for a board game, a card game, an RPG or something related like a podcast it's, you're, you're looking for your audience already knowing about that thing or learning about that thing in an organic way not in a pushed advertising way um, and so when you're going to do a crowdfunding campaign of any sort, for any reason the most important thing is that you build your audience before you go to the campaign I've had people ask me, like, okay, I'm going to Kickstarter next month. What do I need to do? I'm like, talk to me in the past is what you need to do. Because if you're going to Kickstarter next month and you've not begun your advertising, it is too late. Uh, Going to Kickstarter or Indiegogo or any other sort of crowdfunding thing, you want the campaign, when you release it, to already be highly anticipated. You want your audience to have known about it for months. And other audiences have found ways to find out about it for months. Uh, I tend to start my Kickstarter campaign pre-advertising, like genuinely doing advertising, and I'll talk about what advertising means in this case, about six months before I start my campaign. And before that, as soon as I'm like, oh, I think I know roughly when I'm gonna do my Kickstarters and when I'm gonna do stuff like that, I start talking about it. I talk about it at conventions, I talk about it at any like, Blog posts or tweets that I'm going to do. I have a podcast in which I talk about various things related to my company, and that's a place where I'm like, oh yeah. And we think that in like 2021 we're going to run the Kickstarter for this. But more news as that comes up. So that the audience that's listening to everything I say, if I, I'm the, the audience that I already have, is clued in and is excited. To to to, to the, when, the, when you launch the Kickstarter, it starts early because one of the not every Kickstarter follows this arc, but 90 plus percent of Kickstarters follow the arc that your first. 72 hours tends to be 40 plus percent of your entire funding amount and this means this is if you grossly overfund or don't either way first 72 hours is gonna account for more than for uh, frequently more than 40 percent of the entire revenue you're gonna get in a Kickstarter campaign um, and your last 72 hours is gonna be a like a solid 20 percent and the in-between is a coasting rate that only has notable jumps if you, like, oh, we've announced this stretch goal, which means you can put more money into this thing. Or we've added this new pledge level where you can put more money. You'll see jumps from that. But other than that, you find out what your coasting rate is. If your coasting rate is over $1,000, oh my gosh, you're in great shape. But coasting rates frequently can be lower than that. And, and smaller campaigns that I've run for like very small projects have had coasting rates of, like twenty dollars on average, where some days you get zero pledges. Mm-hmm. The middle part of the campaign, a Kickstarter campaign, can feel like a barren wasteland where you're going through the desert and you have no water. And you're like, I remember the good days when we launched, why do things feel so bad now? We always call it the sargasso sea of the campaign. Yeah. yeah. Where you're just, and, and you feel bad because you're like, What am I doing wrong? At the beginning, the first few days they were so good and people are so excited. And now people are going, give us more and it's bad. It's fine. But maybe maybe only run like a twenty day campaign because those middle days aren't that important. And running a campaign, a Kickstarter. Who uh, this is a good question. Who here has ever run a Kickstarter before? Oh, okay. I was like, there's no hands. This is exciting. Two hands. It's still good. Awesome. Congratulations. Uh, um, who Pretty here fun? it uh, Does, doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't you matter. did the it's work of experience. running a Kickstarter. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I I've talked to many people. Like, oh yeah, I did the Kickstarter. It didn't fund. It's like yeah, but you ran a Kickstarter. Yeah. Like, whoa, boy it's work it's a full time job while you're doing the kickstarter in terms of updates in terms of responding to backer comments or to backer messages like it's and, and, and like getting your message out there like it's so much work and then it's a full time job for several months to several years afterwards yeah for There's sure that for sure yeah
1: one of, one of the best pieces of advice that i found when i ran uh, the kickstarter for mission accomplished the role playing game we kickstarted last year one of the best things of one of the best strategies that I found for managing it was to get laid off the day that it launched. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, then I, yeah. I, found, I found like really like time management wise really put a lot back in my cord in terms of
0: like being able to like watch things and interact with people really really valuable. And it, and it means that like the Kickstarter wasn't the only stressful thing that happened to you. Yeah. And our, which is nice to have like uh, a comparison point. Oh yeah,
1: it, it funded it funded the day so I, it, I launched it the day before we got laid off and then it funded the actual day that like, I got called into the office. Nice. And so, like I. There, it was a very nice feeling of like, yeah, I needed this today. I needed I
3: needed this feeling on this day. So should we should we talk about budgetary
0: stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, so that was one of the things I'm, uh, I'm going to let you run away with that. But one of the things I want to <laughs> mention is like when I said advertising starts six months out, I'm not talking about paying a lot of money. I'm talking about time and elbow grease. Um, but yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, or to, to, to
3: comment on that, yeah. if you have a fan base or if you belong to fan communities, part of the advertising yeah. is letting them all know about it to yeah. lay out in advance. So if, you, if you're publishing or creating something that's part of a kind of an overall movement, the movement needs to know. All the forums yeah. you belong to, all the friends, all the conventions you go to, and that will really pay off. Laying that groundwork down, everyone will kind of anticipate it and talk about it and then want to have a look at it when it goes live. It really pays off. But um, so certain things... In a crowdfunding project?
2: What if you are starting and you know nothing?
3: We'll get to that. I promise we will talk a lot about that. Certain things in a crowdfunding project are very exciting that you're going to spend money on. Artwork is really exciting. Mm -hmm. Writing is exciting. Uh, even, Even graphic design is exciting. So I want to take a minute and talk about the boring stuff that often people don't think about that costs real money, like boxes. Packaging material, handling fees, shipping. If you're doing something like a book, media mail goes up every year. So if you're doing it in say March of one year and you're not ready till say February of the next year, you will have calculated media mail at one rate, and now it'll be you know 50 cents more or 25 cents more. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you've got a thousand backers, suddenly it matters. So you need to think about postal rates, you need to think about handling. You need to think about packaging material. You need to think about the cost that the people you buy the packaging material from are going to charge you to ship you the packaging material.
0: Because that's, that's not even free to get it. You need to think about if you are willing to do international shipping or not because you, there is no good answer to that question. There are two options in international shipping. You offer it. You lose money on it. It's fine. Not necessarily lose money, but you don't make a lot of money on it. You don't offer it you get lots of complaints that why aren't you offering international shipping, why do you hate people outside of the US?
3: Uh, And then actually doing the international shipping, which is part of what I do sometimes for people. um, You've kind of got two options. And one is simple and more expensive, and one is less expensive, but significantly more complicated. Or there's really three options. But the first one is, You ship it, usually, if you can manage it, first-class international for the US Postal Service, but it has to be less than three pounds, 15 ounces with packaging precisely. But that is your sweet rate anywhere in the world. It's first-class international. It's great, but it has to be light. It has to be a light product. Otherwise, you're looking at priority international, which you're looking at 40 to 70 plus dollars a shipment, right? So then it gets really expensive, eh, except possibly to Mexico and
0: Canada. I had a game that was about this big, about that thick. It weighed like two and a half pounds, and um, the, and there was various stretch goals and things that meant that we weren't able to. We, we did everything through FedEx. 2.8. It was it two point eight? It was about that. Yeah. Um, and and then uh, and then there was like some other decks of cards and stuff. So it ended up being like a four pound package. Ah. Okay. Right. Yeah. And um. There was a backer who lived in the middle of Australia. And if you know anything about Australia, you know that nobody lives in the middle of Australia. You look at Australia, everybody lives on the coasts, and then nobody lives in the middle because it's bad. Um, And this one guy who backed our game, ordered the thing, and paid the $40 for the game, and then I think we had like... Anywhere else in the world, international shipping was like $80 on this campaign. Because there were some areas that we had specific pricing, that said, and then, but this was one of the anywhere else in the world, we said $80, twice the price of the game. If you want this, fine, we'll make it work. And there were a lot of complaints about that, but we said, this is the price of things. So they backed it, they paid their $80, so they paid us $120. Regardless of the cost of the game, or any of the logistics, or the making of the game, any of that, the shipping to get it from us to him was $250. And we were like well, you backed it. Enjoy your heavily discounted shipping game. Because, and, and, and that's just going to happen, and you don't know until the day of shipping what those things are going to be. So you can budget, you can budget, you can budget, but like, there's the two parts of crowdfunding... Which is the crowdfunding budget which is the budget of making your shipping and packaging work making your, your distribution and fulfillment work um, making your product work and all that stuff and then there's the part of okay but hold on if we're going to crowdfunding we need to make sure this succeeds before we can ever get to this part before we can know to do this part so how do you do your advertising your marketing and so like, we want to make sure we're talking about both which that first part is what we're going to talk about, about like, what if you've never done this yes we will definitely have a section on that the
3: next option you have for international shipping is to work with someone like Kickstow in the United Kingdom, or maybe they're in Germany, but they're in Europe. Uh, and you send stuff to them, and they do the fulfillment in, say, Europe. Right. There are a few regional distributors you can go to for large projects, and they will take over for that region. I only know about the one in Europe. Uh, there are presumably
0: is one in Australia, maybe Good Games. Yeah, Good Games does it, and, yeah. and, um, mm-hmm. but like, they're... You, can, you need to have a lot of Australian backers for it to be worth yeah. it, and you're not likely to get more than a couple dozen Australian backers, probably. But we're talking about you have hundreds or thousands of things you need moved in that region of the world. Right.
3: Um, the third option, which I don't know too much about, maybe
0: you do know something about I want to real quick mention for the second, on the yeah. second option. If you want a company... And I'm going to just ruin this company because I keep tell people about this all the time. If you want a company that's going to help you get stuff places in in uh, in the UK and, and in Europe in general, and you are having a, like a big enough campaign that you're shipping at least hundreds of things to people in that area, Spiral Galaxy. Spiral Galaxy. Look them up. They do a great job. They have very good customer service. And... We found, because shipping to Brazil is terrible. It's weird and terrible. Everybody in Brazil has a number that they personally own, and that number is the number they have to give somebody shipping a thing to them internationally, and they can only claim a certain number of packages a year, and if you do anything slightly wrong with that, package in the ocean. Don't worry (coughs) about it. Send them another one. Brazil is a pain in the butt, and we found it was cheaper. uh, Spiral Galaxies look at in the UK, and we found it was cheaper for us to ship all of our international stuff to Spiral Galaxy and for them to handle international everywhere, including we made them we shipped stuff from us to, Bra- to them and then they shipped it to Brazil, which seems silly, but it actually was way cheaper and they handled all of the customs logistics. Awesome.
3: FedEx does have an international shipping program. Yeah. If you have real volume, like real, real volume where they take all your stuff and they put it in the postal services of individual co- uh, companies, but it's hard to qualify for. But if you have some amazing success, and you have thousands and thousands of backers worldwide, I
0: believe you can go to FedEx, and they will set up an account and do this for you. But I'll, I'll say the most I reason, haven't managed to talk them into it. Well, because that's the thing is, you, you are correct. My most recent campaign that I that we tried to do this for had 10,000 backers, and FedEx was Would like... Would they do it for you? No. <laughs> so, good luck! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they, they weren't impressed with our volume either. And, and I was like, what do you mean 10,000 is not good enough? Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, fine. Whatever. I, it's a hypothetical
3: option. Um, so, a good rule of thumb, uh, what he was just touching on is unexpected expenses. So, a really good rule of Kickstarter projects is when you've carefully and minutely worked out your budget, add another 5 to 10% onto your goal. Easy. Just right off the bat. Yes.
2: Also, I'm a, a, a fanatic for Excel. is... Because I, I, I've been to several of these, you guys are actually right. And you go through, no, no, no. <laughs> Next question, <laughs> just kidding. You go through, and if you've never done it before, add that 5%, but create an Excel spreadsheet of making sure the box fits the game, oh, weigh sure. it out. Yeah. Do this all ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, so that's your, all right. Get your pricing on the game and stuff like that. And then before you hit the Kickstarter, Go back to all the people that you've gotten prices for and say, hey, are we still good? And if not, punch that into your Excel spreadsheet, which gives you yeah. the actual price of the things because I've heard so many people go, God, I went back and it was another right. 10 or 15% yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is
0: we're going to have to manage, your like keeping, so the biggest thing is the nice thing about crowdfunding on a budget, is that the budget here is, in my opinion, less money and more time. Yeah. That yep. you, you could spend $50,000 in marketing for your Kickstarter and that will do a worse job for you of making sure your Kickstarter goes well and you're ready for all the challenges of it than putting in a bunch of hours to plan out your campaign, Plan out your, your, your cost and your strategy. Make spreadsheets of what you're planning to do. Figure out what your updates over time are going to be. Figure out what your audience is. This is like step zero or even negative one is who am I kickstarting this to? Who am I kickstarting this for? And how do I let them know about it? The best marketing you can do for a Kickstarter for a tabletop game is being in the tabletop space. Word of mouth is the best. Yep. Are you, dear listener more likely to back a kickstarter that you see a really good advertisement for that seems like oh here's this beautiful color ad with words about this game and i'm interested in it or if a dear friend of yours who knows the kind of games you like say hey you would really like this game like the person the, the, the direct personal interaction is always better and you're going to get that by going to a convention and showing off a game that you're like hey i'm going to put in this game on kickstarter in three months you can play it now decide if you like it or not and then when the Kickstarter comes up, here's a, here's a business card. I printed a bunch of business cards for very cheap. And they have the, which, the, 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 the link. You can put a link to your website. Then you can then redirect to the Kickstarter once the Kickstarter goes live. Does that make sense? Okay. okay, cool. Uh, um, that, uh, that you can just have on your business card, and that way you're like, oh, I have this business card with the name of the game and the name of the company and some art that reminds me of the game that I played and a website that I know in three-ish months will activate, and it has the date that the Kickstarter is going live. That card there is going to get you so many more Kickstarter backers than any number of banner ads or anything yeah. like that. When we did
1: Mission Accomplished, um, like... This is this is that is something that is extremely true, and it is, and this is probably pretty specific <clears throat> to like the role-playing game space. But like, though I'm sure there's probably board game podcasts that I don't know about. But like, w- like when we we spent a couple hundred dollars, we did a few pieces of art for the Kickstarter page. But like, the thing that we did was I went on to every single actual play podcast that I could think of. Yeah. I made a list of like 20 actual play RPG podcasts, and I said, "Hey, here's my game. Here's when it's going live." I did this like. Three months out, because I I making make actual play podcasts, I know that we get busy. I said, like, three months out, hey, I'm launching in three months. Can we record an episode for your, for your show? And we recorded – I spent, like, a solid two months of, like, nights and nights and weekends being like, hey, I'm going to do your show. We came on. We played a game for a few hours. Then we, we made sure to tell them, please release it during the campaign yeah. so that people could go on, listen to that podcast and go, oh, I love that. Oh, and there's a link to the campaign. I just heard these people that I have this nice parasocial relationship with – that I listen to every week, play this game and have fun with it, boom, back, and <clears throat> sure enough, what you could see was every time that podcast dropped, even in the, even in the, the Sargassum Sea, <laughs> you could watch, like, there was that little bit of bump, right? There yeah. was that little bit yeah. of, of they, they weren't always the largest podcasts, some of them were pretty small, but, like, those small podcasts still had an audience, yes. and you could say every single time it was, oh, look four people back this and you can pretty much track that exclusively to the link that said like, yep, that's that's excellent advice, and and that's
0: phenomenal advertising, where the amount of money that cost you was probably not as great as the amount of time, the the, the time investment you had to put into that, um, and that pays off notably, it certainly wasn't $50,000, it wasn't $50,000, and I wish you were in this room, you thought about coming to this panel and I was just uh, roasting it endlessly, yeah, I, 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 I,
3: People really do that.
0: People really do that. People put a, a lot of money into Twitter ads, Facebook ads. Well, no, ads $50, on $50,000. P- yep, yep, yep. This is, he broke it down for me. Twitter ads, Facebook ads, uh, ads on PGG, um, ads on a bunch of different uh, podcasts and gaming-related websites. And those things, he felt that ultimately it paid off. Okay. But okay. what he did that I know paid off more than that because he and I worked on – he had asked me questions about his campaign in advance was that he – was talking about the fact that this campaign was going to happen very publicly for about a year before the campaign started, and Kickstarter's are weird. Kickstarter's—you've um, probably seen this before if you're back to Kickstarters or interact actors Kickstarters as much. Kickstarter's are like—they're—they're uh, they're weird and gross in a way that movie openings are weird and gross. Like, why do we care what a movie does its opening weekend in theaters? Like, why does that matter? Like, shouldn't it be matter like how many people see it over the lifetime of the time it's in theaters, over the lifetime of the time it comes out in DVDs? We're still talking about Princess Bride and watching Princess Bride. So that should, be, should matter the most. Nope, the thing that matters the most in the entertainment industry, in the movie industry, is what the opening weekend is. And similarly, your launch of your Kickstarter is big because what people like in life isn't an underdog, it's a winning horse. Mm-hmm. People like to bet on a winning horse. So if you see a Kickstarter go live and you're coming to it on Friday, and let's say that Kickstarter launched on Tuesday. And here you are on Friday checking the internet, and you see a Kickstarter, and you're like, wow, this Kickstarter only launched a few days ago, and it's already got $50,000. They must be doing something right. I'm already intellectually, uh, subconsciously predisposed to wanting to back this Kickstarter. because It seems like a safe bet. Let's,
3: let's counterpoint that a little bit. Sure. There is an incredible... Okay, you'll sometimes see these things in crowdfunding, where someone, they really need about $30,000, $40,000 to make something. Yeah. But they ask for five.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's another thing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Okay, because because they're like, oh, you know, exactly that psychology. I'm gonna crest over five in one day, and yeah. then it's smooth sailing to
0: maybe a hundred thousand. Right. That sometimes works. That's that's, but that could be that could shoot you if you yep. need 30,000 and you get and you get fifteen, or sometimes
3: 20. it doesn't. You are you still have to make it. But now the fans haven't paid for it. Because the entire purpose of crowdfunding is the fans pay
0: for the thing, the product you need to make. That's what they're doing for you. Additionally, I've seen campaigns where, like, we need 30000 And by the end of the campaign, they have $31,000. And they're like, yeah, we did it. But they didn't. Because. That's like every
3: crowdfunding project except for one I ever ran.
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. They're always <laughs> just, like, right over the edge. And here's why I say you didn't. <laughs> so, so in those crowdfunding campaigns, did you get the amount of money that you needed? Uh, yeah. But 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 like how much money did you get if you got thirty one thousand dollars? Oh I know what you're saying. Yeah no 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 no, that's not what happened. Right. Okay. All right. So what
3: what he's about to say, go ahead. Yeah. So
0: if you so you lose ten percent of your backing to Kickstarter. That was factored in. Right, right, right. right, right. right. And that should be factored in. But a lot of people are like, ah, what I need, I need thirty thousand dollars cold hard cash, and then I'm good. I've already budgeted everything out, I've done my spreadsheets, I know thirty thousand dollars, I'm good to go. And then you make thirty one thousand dollars and you get like twenty eight 000, and you're like but wait oh no that's not what I needed and so you make it work and you go out of pocket it's fine but like, that's a part of your budgeting is you need to know that how yeah. much you're going to lose to Kickstarter and how much you're going to lose after Kickstarter to shipping and, and all that stuff like your $30,000 isn't the price of or how much, however much you make on Kickstarter isn't the price of printing the thing it's the price of getting the thing from this concept to in your customers hands uh, yeah okay sure you uh, is there like, uh, like is there other trends in like, how many dropped pledges you get? Oh yeah, so you're, you're, gonna, like, you're gonna certainly get a lot of dropped pledges over the course of the campaign. And it tends to be like, you're, you're, you'll have, this is one of the, I've had days where, in the coasting days on a very uh, lightweight campaign, I've had a couple of negative days where I didn't get any pledges in a day, but I had one drop for 40 bucks. And so it's like, da, 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 let's see, I had $20 that day, $40 that day, $80 that day, and negative $40 that day, I must be a monster. Running a Kickstarter is a very emotional time for me. Um, but uh, you're going to get some drops and don't worry about it. Like, most campaigns have them in a pretty average sort of way and like, th- th- sometimes people worry about like, Oh no, people are dropping here and there. Like, that's... It, 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 there there isn't a, a specific like ratio I can give you or a specific like percentage that it comes out of because it changes from campaign to campaign but it, it's rarely the, the, the thing you need to should be super worried or focused about unless you have like one day where a bunch of people drop you're like what happened it's like oh no people found out that I'm secretly racist. My recommendation is to not be secretly racist. Good, good um, advice. Yeah, Solid yeah, advice. Yeah, yeah, so. See
1: I, this is another and this is a this is Perhaps very specific advice, but I can generalize it. This is another instance where getting laid off during your campaign is very, very effective because like and this is where I generalize it. If you can just like not super like there's going to be the temptation when you're running this Kickstarter to just like stare at that analytics page and like have it bookmarked and just like watch it and be like, "Oh no, but somebody somebody just back somebody just dropped it. What happened? Like run you go through go look for your Twitter. You can walk away for a couple hours. Like, you can check it once a day, like, at night and be like, okay, look, two people dropped, three people added on. Like, run the numbers, make sure, like, things make sense, make sure there's no, like, huge spike in dropping. But, like, you can walk away for, and, like,
0: you... Your mental health is very important. Yeah,
1: you have. It's not just you can, you have to walk away. Because at a certain point, you will destroy yourself just trying to run this campaign and... That itself is something that you kind of need to budget for just in terms of... That's something you need to budget for just in terms of, like, mental health is the ability to say, I'm not going to stare at this page, I'm not going to, you know, check the hashtag for my game, I'm not going to do these things, I'm going to tune out, because if I don't, I'm not going to sleep tonight.
3: Let's talk about something for a
1: second.
2: How long does the campaign last? Uh, so, a
0: campaign is standard amount for a campaign is 30 days, and I would argue that's too long. Um, most people like to run it for 30 days. Some people run campaigns for 45 or 60 days. You can set it for whatever you want. I like to run a campaign for essentially 3.2 weeks. Um, I've done a week campaign. It was really fun. I did a did a I did a, um, a hundred hour campaign once. That was super fun too. Uh, I did a campaign that I launched the night before April Fools' Day, ran it over April Fools' Day, and canceled it the day ab- and ended it the day after the morning after April Fools' Day, and it was for a game that was clearly a joke. And people said, is this a joke or a game? I said, it's both. And they're like, you're not making me feel good about my money here. I'm like, I'm not trying to. Um, <laughs> it was for a game called Deck Building, the deck building game, where you were building a deck on the back of your house using deck building mechanics. And that game did very well on Kickstarter in a very short amount of time and still sells well to this day. Um, might, uh, but anyway, uh, the so I like to... I want to get to your the, the next big topic yeah. here. But for Kickstarters, in my opinion, running a Kickstarter campaign, and I, I am happy to give this information out. It's not secret information. People should do this in general. Launch your campaign Tuesday morning. Launch your campaign Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning is a good time to launch a campaign. And in my opinion, it's the only time to launch a campaign. And if this means that this becomes the industry standard and everybody launches Tuesday morning, so, oh no, there's an overwhelming amount. It's fine because Kickstarter isn't, you don't have the entire Kickstarter audience. You have the audience that you curated before you got to Kickstarter. Here's why Tuesday morning.
1: I was going to ask yeah. you why Tuesday morning, because oh, I've heard oh, this so many
0: times and, and
1: it works, yeah, but yeah. it's just, I'm, i i got to know.
0: Let's do some theater. So, launch a Tuesday morning.
1: Why? Why Tuesday morning?
0: Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, launch a Tuesday morning, because let me talk about the internet week, the week that people spend time on the internet. On Monday, you just got into work and you've got stuff to do. You got to catch up from the weekends. You got stuff on Monday, so you're doing stuff on Monday. On Tuesday, you caught up from Monday and you're into the midweek's time, and you've got some extra time to look at the internet. But you do your job. You spend some extra time looking at the internet. Wednesday, it's like Tuesday, but you're into the middle of the week and you're a little bit more. You're a little bit more busy sometimes, but it's it's that middle week slump. Thursday, middle of the week's slump, but you feel the weekend's coming up, and so you're starting to, to catch back more up on work, but you still have some more time to look at the internet. Friday, you don't have any time to look at the internet. You're doing your job, you're getting ready to get out the door, you're going to try to sneak out the office maybe 3 o'clock if you can, and that's your Friday. Saturday, you don't look at the internet. Sunday, you don't look at the internet. Now. I'm grossly generalizing, and it's true. Because Saturday and Sunday, like this is pulled from me pulling data from website traffic across the internet. Saturday and Sunday, the internet low days. Monday and Friday are lower than Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are all good. Which means, you launch your Kickstarter Tuesday morning, people that are on it, that see it Tuesday, back it. Wednesday is another day of people looking at the internet seeing that Kickstarter. Thursday is another day of people looking at the internet seeing that Kickstarter. Then you get into your Friday, Saturday, Sunday when people are using the internet less but you've already had your first 72 hours because as I said at the beginning, your first 72 hours is big. Make your first 72 hours time that people are on the internet. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday.
1: To your point about launch days, the people that are looking Wednesday and Thursday see Tuesday, which was the day that everybody first went onto the internet, everybody, everybody makes that kind of, the people that see it Wednesday and Thursday go, oh look, a winning horse, I'm going to back this so that the, that launch is already hit.
0: End your Kickstarter on a Friday night. Here's why. Um, so I tend to run it for Tuesday and then I run it for like the rest of that week, two full weeks, three if I'm feeling saucy, but I rarely am and then up to that Friday night. And here's why Friday night. People, and it changes from week to week and from company to company, job to job, people get paid on Fridays, frequently. People like making poor financial decisions. It is not our job to help people not make poor financial decisions. Some that person came up to me at Gen Con once, like I really wanna buy your gain, it's $40, I've got $10 cash, and I wanna put 15 on this card and 15 on that card, and I was like, yeah, I can do that. You sure? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta get this game, and I'm willing to max these things out. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. It's my job to give you a good game and make sure that you feel like your forty dollars is worth it. Anyway, so people get paid on uh, frequently. People get paid on Fridays, and so there's going to be somebody who's like waiting until they get that paycheck so they can back that Kickstarter. And so if you end on a Friday night, you're not you're not likely to have anybody that was like, oh shoot, if I'd only. Like, uh, if I'd only, like, had a little bit more money, I could have done it. That's, that's your best cutoff date. No matter when you end your Kickstarter, if you had a successful Kickstarter, you're going to have people, within an hour after ending your Kickstarter, sending you a message going, oh, I missed your Kickstarter, I didn't see anything about or it. Or six months later. And six months later, and two <laughs> years later. But my favorite is, like, I, I like to, I set a timer now where we end the Kickstarter. I always end my Kickstarter with, like, some fanfare, I'm paying attention on social media, sometimes I'll do, like, a live stream thing, okay, great, cool. I have a company, it's weird. But... At the end of the Kickstarter, we go to the end of the Kickstarter, we've been advertising leading up to the Kickstarter, we've been advertising during the Kickstarter, advertising mostly being word of mouth and talking about it, but we've been doing that, and then like within half an hour of every Kickstarter campaign I've run in the last five years, I get an email or a direct message or a tweet or something from someone who follows my stuff and is paying attention to what I'm doing, going, oh shoot, I missed a Kickstarter, and I'm like, but how but how, how? One person was like, "Oh, I was in Italy for a month." It's like, "Okay," <laughs> but other than that, I don't understand. So, yeah.
1: can I can I throw you a quick question related to that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the speaking of like times of the week and you know people getting paid, I have this theory, and I'm wondering, as someone with actual quantifiable data, if there's anything behind it. Does the first of the month negatively impact Kickstarter revenue?
0: No, no, I, no, I, I, no. Think, I wasn't sure. I, I I have not experienced that. Okay. Um, it, 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 so yeah.
3: Speaking of revenue, <laughs> taxes. Yeah, let's talk about taxes for a little bit.
2: Yes. Sorry. Do you you know per day how many people have bought into your?
0: Yes. On Kickstarter, you can see, so he mentioned the analytics page. Um, uh, The the analytics page shows you how many people backed, who those people are. Their username, you can't be like, ah, your name and your zip code. But, like, how many people backed, who those people are, what levels they backed at, um, how many people dropped, how many people adjusted their pledge in any direction, up and down. You have a lot of data at your fingers, and it's very tempting to just sit there and watch that data and be like, let me extrapolate, let me make up a headcanon as to what's happening here. Use that data, pay attention to the data, check it at least once a day, mm-hmm. but don't obsess over it. But you you like, you can use that to see, so that when you're then like halfway through the campaign and you're like, oh, a lot of people have asked for a pledge level that includes this and this, and we didn't have that initially, so let's add that pledge level. Then I'm at my analytics page going, all right, I posted a big update, I added this pledge level, What's happening now? How many people are coming into this? Is this worth it?
2: Yeah. Okay, you create a demand by having a shorter period of time or a longer period of time? Or just the the reason that I
0: want to do a shorter campaign that I usually do like a 20 something day campaign is because the time that you are running the campaign is costly it is physically emotionally and mentally costly um, for you to run a, a Kickstarter campaign you need to be in the comments you need to be responding to messages you need to be on top of it on top of it on top of it and after that campaign ends I like to have an update the morning of the last day we go into the last day I do an update right when the campaign ends to be like hey we just ended thank you all so much we literally could not do this without you this is an indispensable I do an update the next morning saying hey guys just to reiterate, we just had this campaign that's great. And then I don't do a, an update for several days, which is the first time in a month that I haven't done an update in several days. And in those days, I walk away, and I go walk around a lake, and I like, listen to some music, and I just try not to think about the Kickstarter for the first time in a month. Also, so, <coughs> taking less than the, like, the sort of standard 30 days
3: shows a certain sort of self-confidence of bravado. It's just you're saying, I only need 20 days. I,
0: yeah. People do like that, because yeah. it, it's, you know, it's cocky. It, it, it is, and it's also like... Way. And when you have a Kickstarter that's like 23 days long, it doesn't look random. It doesn't look cha- chaotic. It looks like they have a plan. They're doing this on purpose. I don't necessarily know what their plan is. That wasn't a question. Yet. Yeah. Uh, taxes. Taxes. More so fun stuff.
3: Let me let me start off, if I might. Yeah, please, please. So a good rule of thumb uh, is if you're running a Kickstarter and you successfully fund towards the end of your tax year, be ready to spend all that money on your artists... Uh, make a deposit to your printer, pay off everyone involved, get the money out of your bank account fast because the IRS considers that income. So if people sometimes forget this and have a really successful Kickstarter and then it rolls over in their next tax year and they haven't spent it, and the IRS looks at that and says, oh, $40,000 of income for you extra this year because you didn't spend it. Yeah. So be ready to spend it, get it out the door, get it
0: spent. Kickstarters at the beginning of half of the year tend to be better, especially if you're, if you're doing your first Kickstarter doing it in the beginning half of the year gives you more time to deal with that money. Running a Kickstarter that starts sometime in November, you need to have a plan. Like, I, I will do that sometimes, but I'm also at this point where I have a rotating like one to three Kickstarters every year and I'm like doing lots of products simultaneously and I have a catalog of dozens of games. So like, my buffer is different. If you're running a Kickstarter for the first time and this is the first time you're making your product and you don't have a lot of other income and outcome for your money, make sure you have a plan to do something with that money by the end of the year. Oh, January because because holiday people are spending their money on other things Nobody wants to back a Kickstarter as a gift to somebody else. I'll back a Kickstarter in January that says oh Estimated delivery date of November. I can give this to somebody as a gift But in but I'm not like so I've seen people do the thing was like ah We're gonna run this Kickstarter in mid-November and one of the things we offer is you can is this PDF of a thing You can print out and write hey so and so I got you this Kickstarter the reward and someday you'll get that for, for Christmas That's dumb Because what you're telling is, here's a piece of paper that says, oh, I've got, like, a a four out of five chance of getting this thing someday. (laughs) Delightful. People don't trust that Kickstarters are going to deliver, like, in general, in specific. Because they don't always deliver. Right. They shouldn't trust that. So people have learned to be a little skeptical, and that's good. What you should do is run several Kickstarters, deliver all of them, honor your promises and your commitments, and then people go, oh, you're real. Yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, like, backers and how much um, people are
1: generally
2: willing
0: to give on a Kickstarter? I mean, yeah, it changes from from campaign to campaign, and it changes from product to product, and it changes from audience to audience. Um, You... um, I feel pretty strongly that you should be really, really overt about what all your dollar monies are in a Kickstarter. Where you're saying, okay, here's the deal. This is a $40 MSRP game. When this game comes out, I'm going to make the MSRP $39.95. I'm not going to change that. On the Kickstarter, I'm offering it for $35. I don't love discounts on games, but um, I, I, I don't like discounting games, and I'll talk about that. It's a separate for Kickstarter thing, and I'll talk, say a couple words about that in a second. But I am fine with saying, okay, this Kickstarter pledge is $5 off or maybe $10 off on a higher price game because you, dear Kickstarter backers, are helping me get this game from a concept to a reality. You're helping me across this finish line, so that's the thing there. I'd way rather say... This game is going gonna, is gonna to retail for $39.95. The pledge level to get it is $39 plus shipping. Um, and I'm going to also give you this for free and this for free and this for free and this for free. And this is the thing that speaks to um, the way that I feel about not discounting things. And this is less of a Kickstarter thing and more of an economics thing, but it has to do with crowdfunding. And it has to do with budgets. Um, if I sell you a game for 50% off, you mentally and subconsciously have now valued that game at 50% off. You, I say, this is a $40 game, but you can buy it for $20, you go, oh, this is now a $20 game. Whereas if I say, this is a $40 game, and I'm selling it to you for $40, but if you buy it from me, I'll give you this promo pack, and this expansion, and this t-shirt, and this tote bag for free, that doesn't devalue the game, and it doesn't devalue the things I give you for free. You don't think, oh, this is a free t-shirt. You think, oh, if I sell you, this is a $20 t-shirt, but I'll give it to you for free. This is a $5 expansion pack. I'll give it to you for free. You go, oh, I got a gift that is worth $5. I've not devalued it. Devaluing your own work is a thing that the tabletop industry is phenomenal at. We're all very good at devaluing our own work and having terrible imposter syndrome about the work that we do. You, sir. Yeah, the the early bird early bird uh, um, uh, pledge levels early bird pledge levels are very effective, and I abhor them greatly. Um, I d- I don't like them from a uh, like a moral standpoint of, like. The, who knows the, the, the people that are going to find the Kickstarter first I don't want to put a valuation on a person that finds my Kickstarter on day 1 versus a person that finds my Kickstarter on day 20 um, and that's for me personally like I said, they're very effective they get people in there early they make people pledge on the Kickstarter but I am speaking from a place of specific privilege when I launch a Kickstarter there are thousands of people that are getting emails about it immediately because they've backed my Kickstarters before when I launch a Kickstarter I know, and this is a super cocky thing to say I know that it's going to fund, because I've done my work in advance, I know what my funding goal is, I've planned out my audience, I've done my work, I've been spending years showing these games to people, so I'm like, okay, I don't know if it's going to overfund, I don't know anything is going to happen, but I am like... 90% 90% confident that it's going to fund and that's enough for me to say that I know it's going to fund. As a result, I don't play those games. I don't do early bird pledges. I don't do, let me give you uh, let me like give you a big discount. I say, this is what you're getting. Here's the value of it. Here's all the things you're getting for free. You're getting this much value for this pledge and I'll deliver it to you by this date. Great. If, if, I, may, if I may comment
3: real quickly. Another, another thing to never do with a Kickstarter project is go ahead and get everyone to back it and say let's say you, you're making a six by nine role-playing game book you get 500 people to back it at $30 for the basic book then you get them all printed you've got to read the backers all their copies and we'll come back to that and you realize ah, the, the market really I should have been 25 I should sell this for 25 in the stores yeah don't if you if you have them back it at 30 even though it's a temptation, even though maybe somebody like me at IPR comes and says, yeah, you know, a sweeter price point is probably 25 for this. You go, well, oh, well, it's still 30 It's 30
0: because if you are, you're, you're, you're flipping the to all of your Kickstarter backers to all your are for that. And you have now <laughs> so, burned that goodwill that you built yeah. over the course of it.
3: And the second thing is don't ever put it out there into the market before
0: they all of them. Every Kickstarter copies. backer, yeah.
3: Or at least you ship them. Yeah, they're, you can they're, make in, some exceptions. they're in route.
0: So okay. in route. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I tend to do a thing where, um, so depending on how you're selling your games in the market, if you are getting your games into distribution, you can very easily tell distributors, hey guys, here's this product. I'm shipping it to you now. Street date is December 1st. You can't, you have to sit on this. You cannot ship this until December 1st. And most, most of us understand this. Yeah, because yeah, like distributors and retailers also don't want to burn the, the, uh, the goodwill of the average uh, consumer.
2: Yeah, you, you talked about taxes, mm-hmm. what about income because I, I, I definitely know do you guys do a percentage because you all have to get paid for this Kickstarter. Yes. Okay. Yep. So do you look at basically that 39 that thirty nine ninety nine game and the mentality is, is I've already got my income in that game, that's why you're not going to discount and it?
3: So I, I actually do these things on behalf of the company I work for, so it's not my income. Right? it goes to the company for right. production costs and then I'm just, I'm paid my salary anyhow I think a better way of, of looking okay, there's several ways of looking at this and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll let you comment in a moment yeah. if, you're, if you have a company you've started an LLC, an S Corp, whatever it is that all goes in and you are salaried by that company um, if you're doing this as an individual so here's my theory and I'll let them both comment on it you don't do a crowdfunding project to make money you do a crowdfunding project to make as much product and as high quality as you can, then you, turn the, then you sell it. You, you give it to a distributor, you, you bring it to conventions, you sell it to your website, you sell it on Amazon, whatever it is you're doing, right? That's where the money comes from. Yes. It's all tail, no tooth financially. Every cent that you give yourself out of it is a cent you didn't spend making more of it, making it better. That's really
0: where the money's gonna come from. And, and if you do it right, that money will come in for years. Yeah, yep. Just, so. yeah, do, running a Kickstarter, every Kickstarter that I've run, including the $1.5 million Kickstarter, has lost money. Because I take the money from the Kickstarter and I print a bunch of games and I ship those games, but then at the end of the day, once the Kickstarter's fully fulfilled and everything is done, I'm sitting on a pile of several thousand games that I'm going to sell for years.
2: Oh, so you all
0: produce more than you need. For Well, so for sure you must produce more than you yeah, need. That, Be, that, that, yes, that's, that's yeah, absolutely. That's, that just let, let, my Right, head. so let me, ex- let me, let me, let me explain the, the economics of this. If you have 500 Kickstarter backers, or you're talking about in this recent example, and you print 500 books, you have failed. Because, not, not because you want to do it, because some of those are going to get lost in the mail. Some of those are going to get destroyed. Some of those are going to have uh, quality control errors that somebody gets their game and they open up the book or open up the box and a component is messed up or it's printed upside down or whatever. You need to have at least 10% more to be able to cover the whoopsies. Beyond that, if you're making a thing and you're like, look, here's the deal guys, I wanna make this game, I wanna get it out to you and it's the Kickstarter and it's one and done and I'm doing this as a hobbyist, great, fine, great, fantastic. Print your thing, add an extra 10%, maybe go a little bit beyond that, and then if it as a result becomes really viral and explodes and you wanna talk to a, a more traditional publisher and try to make them do it or do it yourself, that's all fine, but if you're looking to make a game because you want to make games and you want this game to be in the marketplace, your goal of your Kickstarter isn't to print k- uh, the, the games for your Kickstarter backers, period. It's to have your Kickstarter backers help you take this idea that you believe can be a good game and a good product and make it into a product that's in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. The, ga- the, the, the Kickstarter that I ran that was $1.5 million, oh my gosh, and we had 10,000 plus backers, oh, oh, that's great, this is wonderful, fantastic. I printed 50,000 copies of that game. Because if 10,000 people will buy it from me on Kickstarter, like People are like, oh, Kickstarter, it's, like, it's hurting the market. There was a bunch of retailers that for a while thought that their, their market were getting hurt by Kickstarter. The opposite. Kickstarter is vetting games. That, that way, when a game gets into a store, you're like, oh, we know that this is a successful product. We know that people want this. We know there's an audience for this because Kickstarter already proved it. And for the most part, there are games that are outliers, but for the most part, a game that is successful on Kickstarter, Kickstarter, it, the Kickstarter audience, the people that are willing to kickstart a Kickstarter game are a tiny sliver of the overall industry.
3: Uh, if, if I may. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so back in the olden days, uh, if you wanted to start a game publishing company, you had to go find some investors. And they had to give you the initial capital to start producing and making things. Then you'd get them into the three-tiered system in a distribution, and you, you'd kind of hope you got enough back. Maybe you'd do, go to Gen Con, and you'd have a really good Gen Con and sell a bunch out of your booth. And you hope to put all enough get together to make the next game. That was how it worked. Often companies just got investment, and it didn't work, and they went under these crowdfunding has completely eliminated the space between fans and starting a game company mm-hmm. to where they are giving you really the money to make this product and make physically more than you need absolutely for mm-hmm. them so they are your investors they are your investors they're backing you, they are your investors and And has uh, revo- yes.
0: revolutionized everything It's Uh, completely changed everything. I want to get to the questions, but I want to real quick comment on this. When I started my game company, I started it with investment. I budgeted out how much I needed to make a game. I went to various investors. I collected money from them, and I used that to start my game company. And I made that game, and I brought it to Gen Con 2011. And the number one question I got was, wow, this is great. When is the expansion coming out? And I'm like, but I just... I spent all of my money making this thing. You want an expansion now? Yes, we want expansions yesterday. Okay. And so this is what I considered doing a Kickstarter because I'm like, I don't have... like I can sell this game for several months and then I'll have raised money that I can do a reprint of the game and start making expansions. But the the audience wants it now. So I launched a Kickstarter and that was what started this whole nonsense thing. Um, But... If I, and so then there was a period of time from like 2012, 2013 through 2016, 2017, eh, 2018, but 2016, 2017, in which I was like, man, great. This thing that you said, 100%, start a company, use Kickstarter to help you get that revenue, to help you connect to those people and make this thing going. It has turned the corner. Right now, there are more than 500 games on Kickstarter simultaneously. 500 games at any given point in time. 500 plus games on Kickstarter at any given point in time. Kickstarter is no longer a platform to go, hey, I have this idea. Do you think this would work, Y slash N? It's a platform to go, you know I have this idea. I've been talking about it for months. I've been working on it. You've probably seen it. And some people are going to find your stuff organically, but they'll lead up to that Kickstarter, and Kickstarter being the culmination of a marketing plan that has involved word of mouth, that has involved being at conventions, that has involved exposure. The exposure is what you need, is the actual good marketing for this, that you, by the time that you're at Kickstarter, there's that audience. Kickstarter is the culmination of that. And it succeeds, and then you have a bunch of work to do. But that's, that's, that's the art for there. As a result, if I were starting a game company fresh now, I would do it with investors. I would go find investors. I would use that to start the game company. And then I would use Kickstarters to continue it. But I wouldn't start with a Kickstarter because building that audience from nothing is super difficult. Well, it's not necessarily... Like, the lines aren't necessarily that firm.
3: Oh, sure. Right. Like, you, can, you can You can be... Well known in a community, yeah, and and go ahead and create a project that is part of that community. But you did that legwork first to become. You've already well become part the of the community. Then you launch your company based on the fact, like if you're a really big powered by the apocalypse sure. sort of person, and you've been doing all that stuff on Gauntlet or whatever, right? You finally written your own game. You really that you're already in touch with that fan mm-hmm. base. So I, I would say you're right, but not
0: always right. Yeah, okay. that, that sounds very much like okay. right. me. Um, Yes. Yes. A- yes. Yes. A- Aggressively and always. Social media is important to be able to talk to people and to be able to say, Hey, I'm putting these things out here into the ether, and you guys can respond to them, and you want to be able to respond back and like have these conversations. And Twitter is great, and Fa- so Twitter is terrible, but it's great. Facebook's way more terrible, it's also great. Um, like all of these different social media platforms are terrible and great for con- connecting to your audience and building these audiences and things like that. Don't pay for ads. Just don't do it. Like you can do it if you want to. Some people I, they I, like it. I disagree. Yeah, I would say don't. Than $50,000 on ads. Okay. Oh, all right. right.
3: Like, if you I was going to gonna say my rule of thumb, and I've done a bunch of this successfully, is never spend more than $20 a week on a Facebook ad. Sure. Yeah. but And, but, but, and, and I don't say micro... Facebook ads are better than Twitter ads. But Twitter ads, I've found, do work. But micro-target, like like really one of the wonderful things about Facebook, and, and well, mostly Facebook, is it, it lets you drill down to the number of sort of fan groups yeah. you're trying to reach and advertise on. And you're like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm making... I don't know. I'll talk about something I know about. I'm making a, a, like an indie storytelling game. Oh look, there's two or three like groups on Facebook that have two thousand members to do nothing but talk about like indie storytelling. Games. Yeah, that's great. right. I'm gonna advertise there, nowhere else. I'm gonna spend my twenty dollars for a week, and I'm gonna have it go there. That can be pretty successful. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. No, that's good. That's good.
0: Question Becky. here.
1: Um, just like to kind of go back on it, you do have somewhat of a, whether it's like a hundred dollars or thousand dollars. What's like your priority?
2: Art. Art. It's art.
0: art because people need to see something they can visually connect to and sticks in their brain. Uh, art for a good logo for the game and some art pieces that show you what the game evokes. Um, but uh, So like that, that's your priority. But also a little bit of everything. When you say, when we say advertising, like if you've got a budget of $100 or even $1,000, that's where I would be in the place of saying, I don't know if Facebook ads are worth it because of the cost of it. It's, it's, it's actually, if you've got to choose between your video budget and your art budget, go with art. Yeah. yeah. Like you, it's really, the, the video it's, is important, but far fewer people watch them than you would think. And yeah, launching a Kickstarter without a video isn't great. But the video um, could really even be you talking passionately
3: about the thing you've made and showing it. Yeah. And people won't go, oh, how dare you, sir. But right. they'll right. go, oh, OK. He and if you're passionate.
0: transparent about your budget, if you're like, hey, guys, here's the deal. I've got $1,000 and a dream. That story is very compelling. Oh, yeah. If I show you, I had $1,000 to start this. I pulled that out of my pocket, and I made this work. Here's what I got in this far. I want to keep going, but I'm not going to spend thousands of my own mo- dollars to make this if it's not a thing. You out there, you Kickstarter backers, you tell me, is this a thing? Like, that narrative, I'm already interested, tell me more. Like, yeah. Um, I want to I keep going this way, and then I'm going to sweep back again. Sorry, did you have a... Yeah, th- I was going to say, the yeah.
1: Mission Accomplished Kickstarter video was filmed with, like, a borrowed, hand-borrowed, like, camcorder. Yeah. Filmed on top of my friend's head, working as a tripod, because he was short. And
2: it's... <laughs> five minutes,
1: and, like... You know, I don't think anybody watched it. I would recommend going to watch it only so that you can maybe see some hairs from my friend's head. But, like, it's there. And it, it, like that, and people watching went, oh, that's Jeff talking. Well, that's Jeff telling that about a passionate game. So, yeah.
3: yeah. if, I, if I may I yeah, continue, continue yeah. with that theory, when, yeah. we, when we did the Kickstarter for Aaron Ars, Alston Strikeforce, which raised about $40,000, uh, the entire video was just interviews with people at Metatopia who had been – because Aaron had died and we were doing his final work who were friends with him and want to talk about why his work was important and influential. It was just a series of video interviews with other writers and game designers at Metatopia. That was the whole video.
0: Since we Sorry. broached this topic, in my opinion, your Kickstarter video does not need to be game content. It does not need okay. to be important. People want to read the stats about how this game works and when you get into the nitty gritty, you've got a whole page of yep. words and text and maybe a downloadable PDF and stuff like that. Your Kickstarter video needs to be Connecting the viewers, the readers, the the Kickstarter backers to the people making the Kickstarter and never more than one hundred twenty seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I've gone as far as like three or four minutes. But you can but embed, keep it under five, five minutes. You can embed the longer video down. Yeah, you the can body, do a longer story but of, like, of, the, of the crowdfunding. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. but like doing it, but having your, your Kickstarter video is not where you show gameplay. It's not where you say. Like you know, we're making this game called Epson Scanner and Epson Scanner is a game in which you do this and you do that and it plays for this many people and it plays for this many times and you do this thing and you do that thing but like boring, I don't care. Give me a Kickstarter over you're like, hi, I'm Steve and I'm gonna do this game and this is what these things are and I really hope you check it out look down below for more information. Okay, now I'm connected. Who's this guy? It's Steve. I know Steve from the video.
2: Uh, you had a question here. Yeah, um, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And those are great. So thank you for those. Um, it's a little bit unrelatable to me. Sure. So this question is for the one timer. Yeah, so. <laughs> what was surprising yep. uh, to you, and what would you have told
1: yourself six months before you had done your first campaign if, if time travel back there now? Um, what was surprising was how much stuff, like how many resources you can, if you put the legwork in and the time in, and the thing that I would tell myself is the same thing. There, like, you find even more stuff of like, or the thing I would tell myself is, plan six months out further. Like, I'd talk to myself six months and be like, no, you're six months too late, you need to go back, and then we would start like a time travel chain and it would be a whole thing. <laughs> um, the thing that, I, but the thing that's surprising is like, you know, it's finding those resources, is finding things like Canva, which is a design app tool that lets you build like promotional graphics if you have zero budget, which oftentimes a lot of us do, there are tools that will help you make logos and design assets for free there are tools that will help you schedule social posts for free finding those tools and like the availability of those tools running that kickstarter was a crash course and like oh no another free tool great i can use it i can make it better and then like you know building off of those podcast relationships and doing those things and which is why i would say start six months earlier because i still get people who are like oh i heard you on this podcast and i missed the kickstarter and i'm like we had released, if we had recorded it earlier or promoted it earlier, maybe that wouldn't have happened. So that's sounds, my question. It sounds like Kickstarter is a point of sale. Yeah. It is yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It, it is, but it's not a store, which is weird. Right. Yeah. I can get into that, but we don't have time. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. What has been your experience, if any, with print on
2: demand services?
3: Mine? Uh, generally. So it's, it's a trade off. But uh, maybe I can discuss that with you after after this. Yeah, yeah. Yes?
1: Uh, so if you've... So I, ha- I had a tweet go semi-viral about an idea I had for a project. And mm-hmm. i like, I, I want to kickstart this eventually. That was over a year ago, and I've been doing a lot of research since then. But, like... How do you maintain the kind of excitement you get from like, people getting really interested in an idea? In an idea?
0: Talk, talk about it. Give yeah. them a place to talk about it. Just you talk be- about it, but also give them a place yeah. to talk about it. If, if it's a, if it's just curated on your Twitter or Facebook where you're like, hey, guys, I'm going to engage with you all the time, and I'm going to be here, and I'm going to be present. If it's there's a forum that either you have you or somebody else. a Discord has. server in 10 minutes. Server, Yeah, but just having some place where the people that are excited, for them to talk to you about it and to talk to each other about it, that's something, building something and make was, your
3: creative process really transparent Sorry. something that was like really valuable you do valuable. something new say hey yeah. I did something new yeah something
1: that was valuable it. for me is like you know it's fun like it it, it it at times felt a little dispiriting is like making a hashtag for the game like mission yeah. accomplished RPG and like yeah. no one's using it but me. But the thing is, you can still then somebody's like, oh, I want I want to learn about this game. They can click it and you can see me going like, I tested this today. Oh, the tests are getting better. I think we're going to Kickstarter. And like it te- like there's a that's a story. Yeah, you put that hashtag there. Even if it you're the only person that ever uses it, it gives you a place to like tell that story and be and had, somebody can click it and go oh wow, I see the work that has gone into this, I see the excitement, and it lets them reconnect with that excitement that they felt when they first saw that
0: viral tweet.
3: And is a like setting up a mailing list just for
1: them? Yes, absolutely. for sure, yeah, for, sure. Oh, for sure. And
0: I like a mailing list that says, I, I, I have like several mailing lists, like, oh, there's a company one, and here's this product line one, but I also make mailing lists for each individual Kickstarter, and the mailing list specifically says, we will send you two emails ever. One, when the Kickstarter launches, and one, 48 hours before the Kickstarter ends. And never again. This is a mailing list you can put your email into and not be like, oh no, what am I signing up for? Nothing. Two emails. So, um,
2: relaunching because yeah. my campaigns failed. It I had to put it aside for a while for a couple of reasons. Sure. Like it's been. Years. Sure. Right, right. Um, if it's
0: been years, I would say start over like it's nothing, like it didn't happen. But build that audience. Use the campaign from before. Post an update as part of it. But like essentially, like start that legwork and say we got to build this audience. We got to build these people. I, I once
3: killed a campaign midway through. We, we went back and we thought about it for a few months. Then we relaunched it and, and succeeded. So we can see about halfway through, we did this all wrong. We're going to fail. We killed it. We went back. Everyone that backed it well, the one we killed, we let know that we were relaunching yeah, that's we cheap cheap. it. That's yeah.
2: uh,
0: important. i never... I've got to go... we got to go, gotta go you quick. Like,
2: you yeah. um, would you ask for now? What would you Depends
0: you on make the, make the, the sort of thing, thing market market that I, I was making, but I would ask for at least $50,000, if not more. Like, I could not start a game company for less than $50,000 reasonably. That is, I could. Uh, that's that's a, lo- a much longer discussion. I'm sorry. That's like, we're at 10:01 already. Um, thank you guys so much. I am back yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, So I, I'm gonna say, I uh, thank you all so much for being here. It's great. I am gonna be just standing out there free for about the next 20 minutes, and I'm happy to keep taking questions. Uh, you can find all of us on social media and stuff. I'm G T G Christopher on, on Twitter. Party of One Pop. on Twitter. You guys have business. Press Revolution. Yeah. 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 Oh, I should have brought more business.
3: But it's not going to be